Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. And uh, what I'd like us to do before we come to today's teaching is I'd like us to take a few moments just to pray together and um, just to look to the Lord. So would you do that? Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you today for the fact that you are God who's above everything and nothing that is happening in this world right now has taken you by surprise or has you worried. And so, Lord, we pray. We pray today, Lord, for our nation. We pray for people that are sick today. We pray, Lord God, for those that are anxious and afraid and worried. We pray for our government that you would give them wisdom and that you would help them. We pray, Lord, for those that are in the the medical field and first responders who are on the front lines of helping those that are in need. God, we thank you for them. We ask you to protect them. We pray that you will strengthen them. And God, we pray that you would just hear from heaven and have mercy upon us as a nation and other nations of this world. And God, we turn our eyes to you and we recognize you're the source of everything. So help us, our Father, we pray. And God, as we look at your word together, we pray you'd speak to our hearts through it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, we're going to come this morning to a a new teaching series. And I'll tell you the truth, this past week, because I don't usually say the truth. Hang on. Anyway, so uh, it's a strange statement. So anyway, this past week, several days, I thought maybe I should switch this and maybe I should talk about overcoming fear or this or that or the other. But you know what? Um, I worked out the, 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 the teaching schedule, what we'd be covering in the first six months of this year, at the beginning of the year. And you know what? I feel then when I was asking God to guide me that God knew where we'd be at today. And God kind of was, you know, this is, there's something here that's going to help us. And I feel there is. So I want to start a brand new teaching series today that's called The Generous Life. Now, let me put some of your minds at ease already. I'm not talking about money. Okay? So you can relax there. Funny in church life, some folks get real uptight when you start talking about money. Of course, they're the folks generally you don't give anyway, but we won't, we won't, we won't stay there. We'll just keep moving happily forward um, because generosity is about far more than money. Generosity is about having time for people. It's about thinking of others. It's about caring for others. And the fact is, Jesus calls us to be generous in every way. That should be the lifestyle of followers of Jesus. It should be one of their key identifying factors. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus said this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, let me pause there 
All of those things are a generous approach to life. Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive. And then he went on and said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So not judging is being generous. Not condemning is being generous. Forgiving is being generous. Giving is being generous. And how we approach life in all of those areas determines then what comes back to us. Jesus wants us to live life from a point of generosity. Now, I know and you know there are times in our lives when we're in need. And you might be there right now. But the truth is God wants us, God's plan for us is that we should be living our lives from a standpoint of generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 says this. Says this. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love this. Take a look at it again. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in, look at this, all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound to every good work. God wants to bless us so that we have not only all that we need, so that we've got enough then, uh, to use Paul's words, to abound in every good work. That means we're generous with being gracious and not judgmental. We're generous in showing compassion. We're generous in forgiving, and we are generous with money too. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24. Now, those of you that know me, and most of you do, because that's why you're here right now, you'll know that this has been one of the key verses for me, for my life. I got a grasp of this, or it grasped me when I was a teenager. And this has been one of the principles I've sought to live by. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. There are people who give and they've always got to give. There are people who are stingy and you know what? They've always don't have enough. God's promise is that God will give seed to people who are sowers. He, 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 will, he, will, he will make sure that people who want to give have got something to give. So why sometimes do we struggle with generosity in the big picture? When, when our family were, were, were young, uh, we used to, um, basically the way to get a cheap vacation, which was the only kind of vacation we could afford, was to go to my parents um, because they lived pretty near to good beaches. Uh, and when we were living in the northeast of Scotland, it was a 620-mile drive from the northeast of Scotland to my parents' house. Now, the way I was wired back then was... When we set out, I want to get there. Now, most of you know that when you've got kids in the car, you don't have full say over how the journey goes, right? So, so, so we, would, we get in the car. And actually, I had that journey down path. We started off in the morning. We drove for almost two hours, and then we stopped at the same place for breakfast. So we stopped breakfast. I allocated 20 minutes to breakfast. 
then we get back in the car and we get on the road. And, and then, then when we get on the road, we travel another uh, three hours. And three hours, there was a rest stop with a kid's playground. And that was lunch, kid's play, 45 minutes. And then we got back on the road again. And then there was another long drive, two or three hours. And we stopped just for bathrooms. Then we got to my parents' house for dinner. Now, that was the plan. But when you've got two little kids in the back of the car, sometimes they have needs. Like, we need the bathroom. And the question was, well, can you wait a little bit longer? Right. Now that I'm 69, no, I don't want anybody to ask me that question, you know. But, <laughs> but, 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 but the fact is, it was like, can you wait a little bit longer? And, and, and we would like be coming to a, to a rest stop, and I'd be looking, and I'd also look at the gas gauge. So I've got the kid who needs the bathroom. The gas gauge is perhaps getting a bit low, but I'm saying, can you manage? It's, it's going to be 15 minutes to the next one. And you know, that 15 minutes was actually the most uncomfortable part of the journey because I've got two issues here. One, am I going to run out of gas? Two, are they going to pee in the car? <laughs> and I couldn't concentrate on on what was really happening because I was afraid. I was almost running on empty myself and I was afraid of a catastrophe in the back seat. And, and you know something, when we're running on empty, you can't enjoy the journey. I'm not looking at what's around me. I'm not even listening to music that's playing in the car. I, I, I can't, you know, I can't focus on anything else. I'm watching the gas gauge and listening for the kid. And when you're running on empty, you've got no time for anything else. If you're living on fumes, all you can think about is survival. It's about what I need consumed with ourselves and the fact our tank's close to empty. And when you live with no margin in your life, at some point life stops working and generosity is more about the need to receive than it is about the ability to give. And God wants us to live in a place where we've got something to give to those who need. I entitled today's teaching, You Can't Live on Empty. If you're on empty, you're not living. You can't live on empty. If you've got no, you know, you've, you've got no time, you've got no energy, you've got no love you're, to give to others, you're totally exhausted, totally stressed, absorbed with your own survival. And that's not how God plans it to be. Let's come back to that Luke 6 reference. Luke 6, verse 37. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. L listen, the sound of this is this. If, if, if you're in a position where you are a, a giver, a generous person, it sounds to me like your life's going to be really good too. Because God says, you know, you're, you're going to get a good measure, pressed down, shaken together. That's, that's kind of Bible. Let, let me put this in modern day things. I seem to spend a fair bit of time on planes, have done the last few years. And nowadays when you've had a flight, later that day or the next day, you will get an email from the uh, airline asking you to rate your flight. 
And they go through every detail. Now, there's only one detail by which I rate a flight. And it's not there. It's not on their list. It's how much Diet Coke they gave me. <laughs> do, do some of you remember when you got on planes and you actually got a meal? Right? Yeah, we're very old, some of us. But, but it's, you know, you know so, so they bring the, the, the drinks cart down, down the aisle, right? And the flight descendant says, would you, would you like a beverage? And I say, Diet Coke, please. And, and there, are, there are three approaches to Diet Coke. They get the glass, they put a half a glass of, they get the smallest glass you've ever seen in creation, right? So they get the tiny glass, they half fill it with ice, pour the Coke in, put the Coke down, give you the glass. Now you have half a cup of ice, half a cup of foam, and a dribble of Coke somewhere in between. And that's how some of them do it. Now, the better flight attendants, they'll give you your ice, they'll fill it up, and they'll let it sit. And then they'll top it up a bit more and top it up. So at least in the end, you haven't got a bunch of foam and froth. You've actually got your Coke. That's good. But you know what the best flight attendants do? They do all of that. They let it go down. They fill it up to the top. They give it to you, and then they give you the rest of the can. That's a good flight attendant. And God says, if you're generous, here's how I'm going to give back to you. It's not going to be a half a glass. It's not even going to be a full glass. I'm going to give you so much you can't get it all into the glass. That's how God gives. And God says, if you're a giver, you're always going to have. It's like, hey, I've got a case of Coke. How much more do you want? That's how God blesses those who are generous. If you can't live on empty, what I, what I want to do just now, I, I want to warn those of you at home, as I did for the few folks that are here in the building, that um, we don't have a second service following on. So I don't have a time limit this morning. Just kidding. Or am I? <laughs> or am I? No, I, I want to just touch on some things that can cause us to live on empty. And, and just, to, just to look at those. The first thing is this. Misplaced priorities will lead to living on empty. I'll explain that by first of all reading this verse from Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we get to the place where we feel our life is top priority, then the fact is generosity goes out of the window. It's not even on the radar. When I think about, well, what I've got to do, I've got to look after this, and I've got to make sure this happens. I've got to make sure this happens. And what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6 is, listen, listen, listen. You don't have to live your life worrying about how you're going to make it because your heavenly Father is going to take care of you. I didn't just say you've got to be stupid, right? But your Father is going to look out for you. You don't have to be totally focused on yourself. When God made the world, the book of Genesis says that He made man, right? He made the world. He made beautiful garden. The Garden of Eden's here. And then He puts man in the Garden of Eden. And I want you to notice here what it says in Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
Right from the start of time, God took the first man and he gave him something to do outside of himself. His life, he had everything going for him. This is paradise. But God made sure that he had a focus in his life that was bigger than himself. He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And that's how God intends us to live, trusting him to provide for us while we live to see how we can care for others. The trouble is that so many of us have got into the position, and I can understand how it's so easily done, that Jesus described in what many of us know as the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about the seed falling into different kinds of ground. And in Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, he says this. He says, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So there are people, he says, they receive the word, which is like the word of the seed, which is the word of God. But the fact is, as life goes on, they get so taken up by and choked by life's worries, by accumulating things, by enjoying things, that they do not mature. And there are so many people that are living this life that, that, that have heard, and they've received God's Word into their hearts, but the fact is, God has not become their full focus. God's purposes is not their full focus, but actually, they're totally consumed with everything about life. You're going to be running on empty if your focus is on you. A me-first mentality leaves no room for anybody else because I want you to listen to this. This is, this is very, very profound. When you're first, you're first. Well, that was worth getting up for, wasn't it? <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. That's it. If I'm first, there's, like, that's the way it is. And, and that's not the way to a life that is fulfilled, and that's certainly not the generous life. If we're consumed with here and now, if we're consumed with stuff in this world, if we don't have a vision bigger than ourselves to take care of what and who is around us, then we are going to be living on empty. Whether it's your time, your skills, your love, your money, the fact is this. God gives us those not just for us. God gives us those to bless others. Live the gospel. Don't get tied up in yourselves. Let me just bring this to where we are today, or who knows where we are today. Don't just be concerned about yourself, even right now. Keep an eye for those that you could help. Keep an eye open for those who need some extra care and love. I'm so blessed that I've had conversations with folks who look after our outreaches to those in need. And while we, we feel, you know, it's, it's unwise and cautious not to have services where, you know, there are a lot of people in the building, um, we've talked about modifying 
the, the things we do to help hurting people so that our Saturday outreach to the homeless will continue through this period, so that our food pantry, modifying how it's done to limit interaction, but our food pantry will happen because people are still going to be hurting through this period, and they may be hurting more. And, and I'm blessed by the approach of our volunteers who do that because nobody's pressed to keep this going. Nobody's asked them to keep it going. They've actually come to me and said, we need to keep this going because we need to help others. I love that. I love that because, you know what, if our priorities are totally about us, we're going to be drained and living on empty. The second thing I want to mention to you is this. Planning with no purpose leads to living on empty. What I mean by that is this. Do you ever wake up in the morning and contemplate the day ahead and you're exhausted already? You know, you look at all the things you've got to do and think, I'm never going to get through this. And like, you're really dreading the day because there's so much to you. So actually, you're not really living your life. Your life is governing you. And, and, and sometimes we, we're living on empty because life is pulling us all over the place. And we need to recognize life is not the boss. I'm the boss. Planning with no purpose, knowing what's important, knowing what really I need to focus on. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. So, so Paul says here, listen, listen here's, here's the situation. When people are in competing in athletic competition, they know what they're after and they do what they need to do to get there. So he says, I'm not running aimlessly. You're going to be living on empty if you're running around all over the place because there's no margin to help others. I'd love to help you. I don't have the time. I'd love to help you, but I don't have the energy. In the 10th chapter of Luke's gospel, Jesus tells a story many of us have come to know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man asked Jesus, who, who, who's my neighbor, the person I'm meant to help? And Jesus says, well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have here. So Jesus tells this story, you, you know, who, who is 
who's my neighbor? Who, who should I be helping? And he tells the story of a priest who was coming down from worshiping. And he saw the man and he passed by. Now, he, according to the way that the priest lived his faith, here's the deal. If you touched anyone who was dead, you were considered unclean and then had to go through a whole purification program. So here's the priest. Now, here's the man wounded. I don't know if what he could see of how he was. You know, the, the guy wasn't dead, but I guess it could be that in the priest's mind was, what if I go over to help him and he dies? Um, I'm unclean. And this will really inconvenience me. I will not be able to do my job for weeks now. I'm going to have to go and do these, these, these special sort of ceremonies of washing myself and of cleansing myself. I've got to quarantine. Hey, whoops, sounds very 2020, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to self-quarantine for 14 days. And uh, it's like, I don't need that. Ain't nobody got time for this. So he kept going. Don't let your life be so full that it can't be interrupted by the needs of a hurting person at the roadside. Don't be so scheduled that you look at the phone when the phone rings and you see who it is and you think, I, I just don't have time just now. And you know they're in need and you know they need to talk to somebody, but you just don't have the time. Don't let life's demands push out the things that really matter. Now, when I've been compelled, like in, sometimes in the last 12 months, to actually sit home and watch service on TV, I've been really, really appreciative of the ability to do it. But in some ways, I didn't like it. Because, see, church isn't just about the, you know, what goes on in the service. Church is about worshiping with people, isn't it? It's about interacting with people. It's about seeing friends. It's about being amongst some of the best people on the planet. Well, here at Genesis, you are. And it's that aspect of it. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I dearly hope that today makes some of you even hungrier still to be here on a more regular basis. Because, you know, sometimes life's schedules, but we run our schedules, mean that church gets pushed out to once or twice a month. Because there's so much else going on. If you plan your life with no purpose, you're going to be running on empty. Focus on the things that really matter and drop the things that sound important, but if you really look at them, aren't. Next thing, being emotionally and mentally drained leads to living on empty. Being emotionally and mentally drained. Now, I'm not talking about medical conditions here like clinical depression. I'm just talking about, in general, being drained. And there are a lot of people today that are emotionally and mentally drained. There are a whole new set of stresses that have been dumped upon everybody just in the last days. And, 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 and there's a lot of folks that are distressed and, 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 and you hear this from here and this from there and this from there. And you know what our minds latch on to? They latch on to the worst case scenarios that we hear. That's the way most people's minds actually work. 
and we don't know. There's an uncertainty. There's a fear. I'm going to tell you this. Um, I have no desire whatever to contract the coronavirus, but I'm not scared of it. I have no desire whatever to be seriously sick, but I'm not scared of it. I am not afraid if God should decide somewhere around now is the time He wants to take me home to heaven, but I'd rather stick around with everybody here for a while. You know, one of the things you've got to do with fear is you've got to really look at fear and you've got to analyze it. It's like, what am I afraid of? What's the worst that could happen here? The worst that could happen is I see Jesus. Darn, I don't want to do that. Now you've got to look at the, you know, you've got to look at fear, you've got to face fear and say, what what is it? You know, what is it? Here's what it says in Philippians, Philippians chapter four. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. Talk to God about what you're concerned about, and let God's peace fill your heart. Turn off CNN for a while. Turn off Fox News for a while. Delete the app from your phone if you need to, and make sure you take the time to talk to God about what's on your heart. Because when you're emotionally and mentally drained, got nothing to give to others. So what we've got to do is we need actively to bring things back to the center. We look to do that for, I don't know how many Sunday mornings we're going to do it this way, and as few as possible. But the fact is this, one of the things we're going to do every Sunday morning is to help each other to pull it back into center here, pull it back into center. I don't need to be panicking. I don't need to be anxious. There is no need for me to be afraid, whatever, because the God who has been with me still is with me and will be with me. The God who has protected me is protecting me and will protect me. The God who has provided does provide and always will provide. But we've got to bring everything back in and we've got to refocus on what's what because if we're not careful, we can let all the voices out there totally drain us. And when we're emotionally and mentally drained, we've got nothing to give to others. Stress is a part of life, but don't let it be your focus. All we can see is ourselves when we're emotionally drained. And that keeps us from living generously. So we need to keep listening to the positive. We need to keep listening to God's promises. We need to keep reminding ourselves in the end of the day, the government will do what the government's going to do. But in the end of the day, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. It's God who is our ultimate source. Okay, we've got to keep moving here because I've got a sermon with five points, which I've never managed before on a Sunday, I don't think. Number four. Draining relationships can lead to living on empty. I'll say that again, and you can say amen just in your own home because you know this is true. Draining relationships lead to living on empty. 
If people are draining you, you need to fix it. You need to stop it. You need to stop them. You are in control of your life. As much as you're in control of your schedule, you are in control of the people who are around you. Now, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. But you're going to find, and I know this too, I'm a nice guy, but there's some folks I just can't live at peace with. And I've done my bit, or they can't live at peace with me. And you know what you do in that situation? There comes a point. Listen, one of my most quoted statements so far this year is this, dump the life suckers. Dump the life suckers. If people are draining your energy, you've got to drop them. You've got to cut them off. You've got to get yourself clear from them because draining relationships will mean you live on empty and you don't have anything to give and to share to anybody else who's around you who may need you to be a blessing to them. Don't allow relationships to hold you hostage. You can't live with what comes out of that. You may resent those people. You may be angry, but you, you, you say, well, I can't get rid of them or I can't let them go because I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, what you've got to do is you've got to trust God and you've got to do the thing that's going to enable you to be the biggest blessing you can be to the lives of other people. All right, and number five, spiritual emptiness leads to living on empty. Spiritual emptiness leads to living on empty. Listen, let me talk to you about what's going on just now. The main thing to help us through a very uncertain period in all of our lives is we've got to keep doing the basics. Keep doing the basics. What are the basics? Some of my basics are these. I start the day with reading the Bible. I end the day with reading the Bible. And I think about what I've read, and I talk to God. Why do I do that? Because if I didn't do that, fact is, I could very easily and quickly become spiritually empty. One of the things we've got to do more than ever right now is we need to keep doing the things that keep us strong spiritually. So I need to hear from God. Lord knows we're hearing from everybody and his brother out there. And everybody's become an expert. Everybody who posts on Facebook knows the truth about it. Dear God. What we need to hear from regularly is we need to hear from God's Word, and we need to hear what God says to us and what God says about us, and we need to be reminded that God is for us. So the fact is, you, you know what? If... if if, if I let go of some of the things that are basic to me, if I don't spend time focused on God, if I don't spend time just hearing what God says, and you know what, we're going to do our utmost to, to, to be able to connect with our church family in every way that we can. But I want to encourage you, even on a Sunday morning, hey, by all means, you know, eat your bagel and drink your coffee while you're watching service, because you do that anyway when you're here. But, 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 but the fact is this, you know, be in the moment. I mean, be present. So this isn't something going on in the background like whatever else you watch on TV. But really close in. Focus in. Get the benefit. 
make a point of being here. Running on empty. The generous life can never be lived while we're running on empty. In fact, you're not living if you're running on empty. If you are your priority, if you've got misplaced priorities, you're going to be running on empty. If your life's planned, but really it's planned without any real purpose, you're going to be running on empty. If you're emotionally and mentally drained, you're going to be running on empty. If there are draining relationships that, that, that really are sapping the life from you, you're going to be running on empty. If you are spiritually empty, then in every other way, your life is going to be empty. Now, I'm not saying all of that to make anybody feel bad or guilty today. I'm saying all that to say those things can stop us, but here's what Jesus says. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 28. If you are on empty today, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love that. Come to me. If you are weary and burdened today, Jesus says, come to me. The bottom line in what I'm saying today is not condemnation. I'm, I hope that what we shared has helped you to come to the realization of some things that maybe you, you need to change so that you can live the kind of life that Jesus exemplified, a generous life. But then I want to come back into this. Here's Christ's invitation. Come to me. Come to me. What I want to do just now, I want to just take a moment to pray together. And uh, just watching there in your own home or wherever you might be just now, I want to encourage you just to pause and, you know, focus in. You might want to just bow your head, close your eyes where you are right now.